Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Welcome to Calm Mystery. This installment, The God in the Bowl, by Robert E. Howard. Read by Perry F. Bruns. Part 2. From the street had sounded a sudden rattle of chariot wheels, which approached rapidly, then ceased abruptly. Dionys, snapped the Inquisitor. Send two men to find that chariot. Bring the driver here. From the sound, said Aris, who was familiar with all of the noises of the street. I'd say it stopped in front of Promero's house, just on the other side of the silk merchant's shop. Who is Promero? asked Demetrio. Calion Publico's chief clerk. Bring him here with the chariot driver, snapped Demetrio. We'll wait until they come before we examine that room. Two guardsmen clomped away. Demetrio still studied the body. Dionys, Arus, and the remaining policemen watched Conan, who stood, sword in hand. 
like a bronze figure of brooding menace. Presently, sandaled feet re-echoed outside, and the two guardsmen entered with a strongly built, dark-skinned man in the helmet and tunic of a charioteer, with a whip in his hand, and a small, timid-looking individual, typical of that class which, risen from the ranks of artisans, supplies right-hand men for wealthy merchants and traders. This one recoiled with a cry from the sprawling bulk on the floor. Oh, I knew evil would come of this. You are Promero, the clerk, I suppose. And you? An Earl, Callian Publico's charioteer. You do not seem overly moved at the sight of his corpse, observed Demetrio. Why should I be moved? The dark eyes flashed. Someone has only done what I dared not but longed to do. So, murmured the Inquisitor, are you a free man? Enaro's eyes were bitter as he drew aside his tunic, showing the brand of the debtor-slave on his shoulder. Did you know your master was coming here tonight? No. I brought the chariot to the temple this evening for him as usual. He entered it, and I drove toward his villa. But before we came to the Pelian Way, he ordered me to turn and drive him back. He seemed much agitated in his mind. And did you drive him back to the temple? No. He bade me stop at Promero's house. There he dismissed me, ordering me to return there for him shortly after midnight. What time was this? Shortly after dusk. The streets were almost deserted. What did you do then? I returned to the slave quarters, where I remained until it was time to return to Promero's house. I drove straight there, and your men seized me as I talked with Promero in his door. You have no idea why Callian went to Promero's house? He didn't speak of his business to his slaves. Demetrio turned to Promero. What do you know about this? Nothing. The clerk's teeth chattered as he spoke. Did Callian Publico come to your house, as the charioteer says? Yes. How long did he stay? Only a few minutes. Then he left. Did he come from your house to the temple? I don't know. The clerk's voice was shrill with taut nerves. Why did he come to your house? To, to talk matters of business with me. You're lying, snapped Demetrio. Why did he come to your house? I don't know. I don't know anything. Primero was growing hysterical. I had nothing to do with it. Make him talk, Dionys, snapped Demetrio. And Dionys grunted and nodded to one of his men, who, grinning savagely, moved toward the two captives. Do you know who I am? he growled, thrusting his head forward and staring domineeringly at his shrinking prey. Your postumo, answered the charioteer sullenly. You gouged out a girl's eye in the court of justice because she wouldn't give you information incriminating her lover. I always get what I go after, bellowed the guardsman, the veins in his thick neck swelling and his face growing purple as he seized the wretched clerk by the collar of his tunic, twisting it so the man was half strangled. Speak up, you rat, he growled. Answer the Inquisitor. Oh, Mitra, mercy, screamed the wretch. I swear that 
Postumo slapped him terrifically, first on one side of the face and then on the other, and continued the interrogation by flinging him to the floor and kicking him with vicious accuracy. Mercy, moaned the victim. I'll tell. I'll tell anything. Then get up, you cur, roared Postumo, swelling with self-importance. Don't lie there, whining. Dionys cast a quick glance at Conan to see if he were properly impressed. You see what happens to those who cross the police, he said. The Sumerian spat with a sneer of cruel contempt for the moaning clerk. He's a weakling and a fool, he growled. Let one of you touch me and I'll spill his guts on the floor. Are you ready to talk? asked Demetrio tiredly. He found these scenes wearyingly monotonous. All I know, sobbed the clerk, dragging himself to his feet and whimpering like a beaten dog in his pain, is that Callion came to my house shortly after I arrived. I left the temple at the same time he did and sent his chariot away. He threatened me with discharge if I ever spoke of it. I am a poor man without friends or favor. Without my position with him, I would starve. "'What's that to me?' snapped Demetrio. "'How long did he remain at your house?' "'Until perhaps half an hour before midnight. "'Then he left, saying that he was going to the temple "'and would return after he had done what he wished to do there. "'What was he going to do there?' Primero hesitated at revealing the secrets of his dreaded employer. "'Then a shuddering glance at Postumo who was grinning evilly as he doubled his huge fist, opened his lips quickly. There was something in the temple he wished to examine. But why should he come here alone in so much secrecy? Because it was not his property. It arrived in a caravan from the south at dawn. The men of the caravan knew nothing of it, except that it had been placed with them by the men of a caravan from Stygia, and was meant for Calanthes of Hanumar, priest of Ibis. The master of the caravan had been paid by these other men to deliver it directly to Calanthes, but he's a rascal by nature, and wished to proceed directly to Aquilonia on the road to which Hanumar does not lie. So he asked if he might leave it in the temple until Calanthes could send for it. Callion agreed, and told him he himself would send a runner to inform Calanthes, but after the men had gone and I spoke of the runner, Callion forbade me to send him. He sat brooding over what the men had left. And what was that? A sort of sarcophagus, such as is found in ancient Stygian tombs. But this one was round, like a covered metal bowl. Its composition was something like copper, but much harder. And it was carved with hieroglyphics, like those found on the more ancient menhirs in southern Stygia. The lid was made fast to the body by carven, copper-like bands. What was in it? The men of the caravan did not know. They only said that the men who gave it to them told them that it was a priceless relic found among the tombs far beneath the pyramids and sent to Calanthes because of the love the sender bore the priest of Ibis. Callian Publico believed that it contained the diadem of the giant kings, of the people who dwelt in that dark land before the ancestors of the Stygians came there. He showed me a design carved on the lid, 
which he swore was the shape of the diadem which legend tells us the monster kings wore. He determined to open the bowl and see what it contained. He was like a madman when he thought of the fabled diadem, which myths say was set with the strange jewels known only to that ancient race, a single one of which is worth more than all the jewels of the modern world. I warned him against it, but he stayed at my house, as I have said, and a short time after midnight he came along to the temple, hiding in the shadows until the watchman had passed to the other side of the building, then letting himself in with his belt key. I watched him from the shadows of the silk shop, saw him enter the temple, and then returned to my own house. If the diadem was in the bowl, or anything else of great value, he intended hiding it somewhere in the temple and slipping out again. Then on the morrow he would raise a great hue and cry, saying that thieves had broken into his house and stolen Calanthes's property. None would know of his prowlings but the charioteer and I, and neither of us would betray him. But the watchman, objected Demetrio, Callion did not intend being seen by him. He planned to have him crucified as an accomplice of the thieves, answered Primero. Aris gulped and turned pale as this duplicity of his employer came home to him. Where is this sarcophagus? asked Demetrio. Primero pointed, and the Inquisitor grunted. So, the very room in which Callion must have been attacked. Primero turned pale and twisted his thin hands. Why should a man in Stygia send Calanthes a gift? Ancient gods and queer mummies have come up the caravan roads before. But who loves the priest of Ibis so well in Stygia, where they still worship the archdemon Set, who coils among the tombs in the darkness? The god Ibis has fought Set since the first dawn of the earth, and Calanthes has fought Set's priests all his life. There is something dark and hidden here. Show us this sarcophagus, commanded Demetrio, and Primero hesitantly led the way. All followed, including Conan, who was apparently heedless of the wary eye the guardsmen kept on him, and seemed merely curious. They passed through the torn hangings and entered the room, which was rather more dimly lighted than the corridor. Doors on each side gave into other chambers, and the walls were lined with fantastic images, gods of strange lands and far peoples. And Primero cried out sharply, Look! The bowl! It's open! And empty! Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own Murder Mystery Party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.